missing until you, after you really sense it. You may believe that was what was missing, yeah. You may hope that for that was what was missing, but when you when it's when it starts occurring, then you realize that's what I was missing in my life. Yeah. I didn't have the sense of what can't be seen, heard, felt, tasted, and touched. And that's what leavens the experience of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. Yeah? There's not too much of something. It needs a little bit of nothing. Oh, I have to make an announcement before the thing. If you agree or disagree with anything I say to right now, you can. Um, it's fine, but just do it silently. <laughs> Until we get to the question part. Yeah? And so... There you go. That's my disclaimer. And I gave the glossary of terms last night. So I'll give. It, I'll run for people who haven't here last night. I use a term called selfing, and all that all that implies or infers is that there's a mental process that that's going on, which is is represented in the thought system, which is presented in language, and that narrative of your day. That story of your past, that projection of a future, is the selfing. And when the selfing is going on, it infers and implies and assumes that there's someone there. Yeah? That there's a someone that this life is happening to. It can't produce that someone, but it infers that there's someone. It can't produce a self, but it infers that there's a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. With, with the allegiance uh, with the body, constantly looking at mirrors and reflections as you walk by cars and everything like that, you're constantly being reaffirmed that I'm a body or have a body or something like that. So that, that thought system is inferring and implying that there's a subject called Paul. It can't make that subject. It can make it seem to appear by just implying. The mind does... Actually, it's the mind that makes it seem to appear. There's the implication, there's the inference, there's the assumption, and then the mind makes the leap into being, oh, I'm that. Yeah? I'm that's what... That's, I am that which is being pointed at. I am that which is being assumed. I am that which is being inferred. That's the leap. That's why there's a solution. Because it isn't so. Yeah? If it was so then in a sense, like in recovery, it would be a hopeless state of mind and body. But it doesn't say that in the program. It says it's a seemingly, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly means it appears to be true or false. To whom? If something is just appearing, and its effects are based on who it's appearing to, which is the bigger power? What's appearing or the one that sees it appearing to be a true or false. The one that's seeing it's appearing to be true or false. That's our role here. We're giving everything the meaning it has. So we can give a, ho- a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that, uh, the meaning that it's a hopeless state of mind and body. And if you really felt something was hopeless, then you'd probably shoot some drugs. You'd probably do something crazy today. You'd be motivated to just act out because what the hell? Yeah? But the whole point, everything here is seemingly so. And where is that seemingly so directed? And where is it coming from? Is someone imposing it on you? Or is this giving it the meaning? Is this giving it the meaning? Or is these things so real that they're overriding us with their meaning? Come on. 
How could that be so if today, if I'm not feeling well, this is a, well, this could be a problem every day. But, <laughs> but I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> Maybe I should use a better example. I don't know. All right, this one. So today, this is a problem. <laughs> Maybe to later on, I'm going to feel really good, and then it won't be a problem. And I'll say, oh, that's really pretty interesting. And then the next day, I'll be... Not, uh, that's not interesting at all, basically. <laughs> so, is that imposing its meaning on me, or am I giving it the meaning? Yeah. Are you imposing your meaning on me? If this is a little more subtler than, a, than an inanimate little two-dimensional thing, this three-dimensional action figure, I, I quite a lot believe that people are doing things to me. Yeah. But in fact, it's the same principle. I'm giving you all the meaning you have in my life. And so on and so forth. Principles don't vary. There's no exemptions. There's no clauses where they say this principle applies except for Monday, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. It's not like that. A principle overrides what's going on on a consequential level. That's why they're part of a solution. If you want to get a sort of a a rope dropped out in to get out of the consequential mess, it's a principle that usually pulls you out. Yeah? A principle. You realize something that someone told you or you learned when you were a kid and you apply it and something happens, you get relief. Yeah? Because now you start seeing like this too shall pass. Instead of taking it to be the end of the freaking world, how many ends of the worlds have you had this week? Yeah? How many earth shattering events do you have a month? Does the earth get ever get shattered? Probably not. Yeah. So you see, if you just start reading the tea leaves and tell the truth about it, you realize everything just seems to go the way it's going. Yeah. Now that's a principle. You won't find that in the consequential level. In the consequential level, it seems like this is attacking me in a sense. Yeah. I've got to either take flight or fight because most of people are totally driven by what you call fear. To me, it's mental anxiety. Yeah. Mental anxiety, really. It, it, it mimics the physiological, physiological effects of fear, but it's not fear. It's not an emotion. It's a mental anxiety. Yeah, you know, derived from our preoccupation with this idea of being Paul, who's an action figure placed in time. Yeah. So I'm thinking something bad's going to happen to me, yeah. and then I think about it now, and then something seems to be bad happening to me right now. <laughs> the contraction that I'm worried about three weeks from now now starts happening while I'm worrying about the contraction three weeks from now. <laughs> so you're a true prophet because you get exactly what you're expecting, but you get it now. <laughs> you're worried about a heist that's going to occur and the robbery has already happened. <laughs> They've already been in the house and taken everything. You know? I can't lose all my valuables. What value do you have? You're contracted. <laughs> so selfing, that's one of the topics, one of the things we use. Then we have uh, the action figure. People always ask me what the action figure means. This, right here. This is an action. Yeah? My mind cannot do this action. It needs a body. Yeah? Alcoholism does not take the drink. It needs to convince the action figure that it's a good idea to drink. Yeah? It doesn't have a hand to pick up the bottle and put it into its mental mouth. There's no <laughs> mental mouth. 
So it can't ingest its fuel. It doesn't have any way. It has to get its fuel through, the, with, through this intermediary, which is this action figure. And so, against all evidence that it would be a great, a, a terrible idea to have a drink, this mind has the ability to convince what we call the action figure to do it again. And as soon as it puts this in, it's sort of like, let's say you have the act, let's say you have certain qualities of a little bit jealous, you know, you're a little bit jealous about people, you're a little bit feeling inferior and stuff like that, and then you have a drink, yeah? Three months later, you're up on stalking charges, yeah? The jealousy goes, blows up. The paranoia increases unbelievably because it got its fuel, yeah? It needs its fuel. It's like this bug called candida. You ever hear of candida? It's something that lives in everyone's body. But it's overgrown in a lot of people. It causes a lot of distress. They believe in like sinus infections are produced by it. It gets into the brain. It's learned how to move out of the, the intestinal tract and go into the blood system. So this candida usually likes like sugar. Yeah. So it's funny. A lot of people think they really love white flour. But in a sense, it's the candida in their body jacking into their system and telling them they really want a bagel. They really want the white flour. Because the candida can't go shopping. It's stuck in this system. It can't get out. So it uses the system to get what it needs. Because it can't, where's it going to call it out for candida? You know, sugar? Send me some sugar. Who's this, Mr. Candida? <laughs> where's the delivery? The rectum or the, I don't know, what are they going to do? You know, it's sort of, it's inhibited by the situation it's in. But it, but it uses the situation to jack into the system, and then you get these cravings for white flour. All the while, your self-centeredness is claiming to, I'm a bagel lover, and I love Wonder Bread, and telling stories about how much you love Wonder Bread from your history, and it's all driven by Candida. <laughs> this isn't. This is true. See it. So this is what happens with alcohol. You drink alcohol, it sets off a craving in the body. And then, if you've ever seen someone on an alcoholic run who's an alcoholic, there's no way you can help them while it's going on because they have to get done with the run for any kind of sense to come back. Yeah. You're not going to say, "Oh, bro, I think it's time to stop." <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen because the. That disease, that parasite wants that, yeah? And it overrides the system. You have no defense against it. Just like you don't have much defense against candida. People are suffering. That's why all these people now are getting into gluten-free diets, yeah? I got into gluten-free about 15 years ago when there was none, there was very little products. Now everyone, they're finally putting it together. Why they feel so freaking tired and they're bloated and they have no energy? Because something's feeding off of them. They're just a depository for the food that the candida needs. Well, the same same with this mental parasite yeah, called self-centeredness. It's a very small mental process, but it's, the, it's dominated our whole experience here. And everyone seems to be formatted in the same way, self-centeredness. And then there's, there's divisions of it, like alcoholism is a very well-tracked one, but there's many more subdivisions of it, all rooted back to the original disease, which is the mind's preoccupation with this idea, a mental idea, a mental idea that it's a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? And all hell's breaking out. But it wants, see, it wants to call it out and get heaven delivered to hell. It doesn't want to leave hell. 
It doesn't want to give up the idea. It wants to be here when it gets good. But that's why it's not good, because it's here. Yeah, the preoccupation. It's not like you can learn how to get a better preoccupation. It's just the preoccupation, the idea of being Paul, that's causing an inability to respond to what's happening. Yeah. And it's a disease. And that disease demands relief. And yet, if you go to the problem that's producing the disease, it's going to promote more disease, even with the solutions it provides. Yeah? Because the format will still be the same. I'm whatever I think I am, and I'm going to do and have myself into another state of being. Good luck. All you'll do and have yourself is into a, a temporary mental state that you're calling a state of being. Yeah? And then you'll go back to the what you really call the state of being, which is a mental state. And then you'll do and have yourself into another state of being, which is a mental state. And then go back to your, the basic mental state, which is I'm a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, proclaiming all the inequities and the nobleness of trying to get out of this dilemma you're in. The whole point is you're not actually in a dilemma. The, the best it can do is appear to be so. Yeah? It can never become so. It only appears to be so. No matter how much it huffs and puffs, no matter how many verifications that the house is real and solid, it only appears to be so. That's the solution. That's the basis of the solution. How can one day everything seem so real and then the next day not seem real? Because it's neither. It's just the seemingly so. Yeah? Derived from the perception of the mind in its location. Yeah. So, where you're looking at things from is what things seem to be. Yeah. They don't have their own meaning. Where you're looking at them is what gives them the meaning. Yeah. When, you fall, when you fall over that little gem, that's a really incredible little place to entertain. The Course in Miracles laid it out very simply. You, know, you and I give everything all the meaning it has. You and I are the dreamer of the dream. We forgot we're dreaming and we've given everything we've dreamt the power to affect us. That's like if you were a doctor, that would be your diagnosis. You could write it out to every patient who came in. <laughs> and then your prescription would be take nothing. <laughs> and take nothing every day. And then call me back. And you'd probably never, never get a call back. Because the thing that seems so real wouldn't seem so real. Yeah? Why do I need a follow-up if I realize something that was bothering me isn't real? <laughs> I'm going to need more verification that's not real? When are you going to take your own authority back? Yeah. I mean, it's like, this isn't like, you know, what happens when you have a quote-unquote spiritual experience? Do you go to like a spiritual notary, you know, public thing and get it stamped? So I'd say it's been verified. By who? Some Another insane inmate? That seems to be closer to the exit door at the insane asylum. Do you think they're an authority? You have to find it in your own gut sooner or later. Sooner or later, it's got to come down to where you're at. Not to where your teacher's at or this is at or that is at. It's got to come in your own gut. That's where the unspoken yes has to echo. Not in them, so you blame them for being so good. You know, Put them on a pedestal that they have to be chopped off of. But you actually see it in your own gut. Yeah? And then you find something that's truly reliable because in your whole life you're going to be there. Yeah? <laughs> Until this passes away, you're going to be there. 
matter how much believe you cannot be here, you're still here believing you're not here. <laughs> if you look at the surveillance cameras, you're here today. <laughs> I really wasn't. Yes, you were. No, I was spacing out. No, you're still here spacing out. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. I love oh man. I love all those books about being in the moment. It just blows my mind. How to learn to be in the moment. <laughs> all right. I'll buy that one. Read a few chapters. Oh, yeah. So, and then the second edition, how to really, really be in the moment. <laughs> and then the third edition, term, how to really, really, really be in the moment. Sign up for our daily letter, monthly letter of how to be more in the moment for June, and February, March. Give me a freaking break. You can't be out of a moment. There's no freaking way you're out of a moment. You are the moment. You're the bringer of it. You're the experiencer of it. You're the moment. <laughs> Every moment of your life, you're the moment of that. <laughs> so this whole idea of trying to get into the moment is, is just affirming a crazy assumption that you could possibly be out of a moment. But I don't really feel like I'm in the moment. Who's telling you that? The head that assuming you can be out of a moment. How is this going to fortify and reinforce that assumption? By creating all these propaganda forecasts and feelings. Oh, I feel so disconnected. It's a story. If you go back to the first page and you're not the author, you'll lose interest in it. You'll lose interest in the story. And so all stories, I'm so disconnected today. And then you try to trace back why I'm disconnected. Well, I didn't do this, or I did that. All you see in every statement of that book is your own relevance as a self. That everything's based on you. When in fact, <laughs> you're inherently absent. <laughs> it always wants to write itself into the story. It will weasel right in there, you know what I mean? Oh, I was blessed. It's sort of like, I'll tell you. Let's say if you had the greatest of all masters and you loved her or him perfectly, you know, as much as possible. And you have total respect for them. And they came here right now. And they said, you know, bro, there's nothing you ever needed to do. And you oh, I know that, sir. Thank you. There's nothing you need to do now. Oh, wonderful. I was hoping that was the case. And there's nothing you'll ever need to do in the future. Oh, really? Thank you. And then you leave. Half hour later, you're probably sitting and meditating. Yeah? You're sorry, trying to, I've got to recapture that message. No! You know? Who's the bigger God? The one you assume, oh, yes, I do it. No, you're still listening to this. Yeah? This is the problem. This is the propaganda center. It's like K-Paul. It's like a radio station that we're plugged into. All it plays is golden oldies, sells you lousy products, <laughs> has tons of advertising, and it always has like fear warnings. Oh, something's going to... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. You, the thing is, if you lose interest in it, it doesn't have to go anywhere. Yeah? Because all it is is appearing. The more you believe, the more it seems real. The less you believe, the less it seems real. Yeah? It's sort of like you have controls of the dials. You can make it more contrast, more color. Yeah? The less you believe, less color. It appears, but it's flimsy. You can see right through it now. Yeah? And then you see right through it. And what you see through into is what you are, that space. Yeah? Then when you really believe, it gets, it gets 
four to three dimensions. It's thick, it's got color, and it's got importance. Yeah? And then you just dial, and then it fades out, and then just in that. What's who's the more important in the whole situation, or what's the more important in the whole situation? The mind, yeah? So what I did, I heard this message. I don't know what I was doing. I was in recovery for a while, and then uh, people introduced me to some ideas. And I had been involved with a teacher when I was really young. So when I got sober, I went started to practice Buddhism. I didn't want to be with a guru anymore. I didn't. I thought that is not something that works for me. So I started doing Buddhism, and they were talking about the self a lot. But I was there was still, you know, I was captured in that system, my mind. And so after about 11 years, I heard this idea. And it was sort of like, why are you looking for the next meditation technique? Just ask who's the meditator, maybe do that. You know, direct your attention in a different way. Instead of assuming that you're starting from the point of all points, question that point of all points. It may be what's giving the whole game all the meaning it has. So I did that, and I entertained it. And what happened is, downloads occurred, and I started what was I was entertaining became verified by the download. Yeah? The download sort of produced like an unspoken yes, and then it seemed like, and this is in hindsight, the, t- the mind just got recalibrated, and a huge amount of interest and attention was taken off the system called self-centeredness, and then just dispersed into whatever it's doing now. Yeah? I don't know what it's doing because it's flexible and it's open and it's not beholden to anything. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah, doing what it's doing. It's very, it's it's at it's always available, ready. You know, but it's not enslaved to that one system it seemed to be enslaved by for years. Yeah, the interest and attention was just wedded to the idea of being Paul. Everything had to be written about how it was about Paul. Always, oh, it's just unbelievable, and you have no idea how heavy it is until it's lightened up. Really, you may have a feeling that something's imposing something on you, and you can know it from the problem, which is a, a form of knowledge. But the real knowledge is from the solution. Yeah, when you when you when you're when you're seeing it from the solution, that's the real knowledge. You get to really see it. And what and all of it does, all the information you get about it is it's not you. Yeah? It has nothing to do with you. And there's no you to have anything to do with. And it was and there's no feeling of, oh, I really wish I would have gotten this earlier. There's not much in, importance on time anymore. You didn't miss anything. You're not late. You know, you're not in a you know, I'm hovering over waiting to land finally. All that's forgotten. It has no meaning whatsoever. It's like the, your moment of life starts that moment, in a way. Yeah? And then, it's, then it starts this moment, and this moment, and this moment, and this moment, and this moment. Yeah? It's never like... Yeah, it just keeps... It's like you're parachuting into the moment. You land, and then here you are. <laughs> you know? And the mind's flexible enough, it just responds yeah? to the seat assignment, wherever it lands. Oh, okay. So if I'm at a paint job, I'm painting. And if I'm here, I do this. If I'm surfing, I'm surfing. Yeah, it's pretty simple. And then this guy at this meeting the other day says, well, are you afraid of sharks? And I said, well, not now. 
this, I was on land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how your mind gets. Your mind gets really practical. It's like, you know, because you could have gone on, well, not really, there's not so many shock attacks, there's more electrical storms that kill people. You can, but fact is, I know a shark can't get on land. So, uh, you know what I mean? I have that knowledge. And so I'm quite secure in that I'm not afraid of sharks right now. <laughs> you know, this is how practical it gets. It's very simple. Very clean. And you don't have a lot of information. You just know what to do next. Yeah. And even if you don't know what to do next, that's what you're supposed to do that next. Yeah. You're supposed to be in, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So everything downloads when it's needed. And it's sort of like, there's not even an extra drip. Yeah. It just cuts off. And then you're back in the I don't know again. Yeah. And that's where your basis lies, is in the I don't know. You get to know. You find out. But basically, your the basic baseline is I don't know. Yeah? And then while you're traveling here, you get to know by finding out. You don't get to know by studying. Yeah, you don't get to know by that because that's a very flimsy form of knowledge. You get to really know. I mean, really know by finding out. That's the position. So you're very flexible because you know. Let's say you have a preference, and then the person changes their mind. You have to be able to go with that quite easily. Because you don't get fixed anywhere anymore. Now, if you try to practice that, it's you know it doesn't freaking work. But all that happens is is when the mind recalibrates, the the whole expression that you're calling your life changes because the mind has changed. Yeah. We're just saying what's keeping it wedded to this system that's obviously failed. And all your solutions, in a sense, have obviously failed if you're still looking for a solution. Yeah. Because part of the solution takes away the need for any other solution, really. Yeah. At least on this level. You know? This kind of understanding. Once the understanding hits you, you it removes any desire for any, new, any more solutions. Yeah? That, to me, is a worthwhile solution. Yeah. So, you have that solution... And so you're very, uh, well, he just t- turns into traveling later. That's basically it. That's the best way I can put it. It just becomes uh, something that's so reliable you never think about it anymore. Yeah? And you don't have to look where to stand or how to stand to rely on it. You don't have to get into any kind of posture to rely on it. You don't have to be in any specific location to rely on it. You don't have to even be in any physical shape to rely on it, or mental condition or emotional condition. Yeah. Now, they can be impediments if there's a deep belief and rootedness into those conditions, but they don't have the ability to cause separation from that. Yeah. Nothing does. That's the solution. So what I do is I just attempt to look at what's causing that not to seem so. Because you can't look at what's causing it to be so, because you can't see it. Yeah. You're never going to have an experience of it, yeah? but it can influence all your experiences. Yeah? It will change how you're experiencing, but it won't change yours, which will change all your experiences, but it's not an experience. Yeah? It's not something that you can take a path to find, but it will illuminate the path you're on. I mean, what more do you want? Literally. 
you really want enlightenment over being all right today? Uh, you probably don't. If you were all right today, you probably would drop enlightenment. The idea of, like that guy, Ramesh, used to have a great joke about, he was at a spiritual group, and he said, you know, Ramesh Balsakar, a teacher, passed away a couple of years ago. He used to say a joke, he says, all right, he was at a spiritual group, he says, all right, listen, if you had a choice between a million dollars or enlightenment, which one would you take? And so, of course, they're all good spiritual seekers. They all went enlightenment. And he says, well, I'd take the million dollars because at least I'd be there to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really it. Isn't it? That's, the, that's the nub of it all. Yeah. Many of us are wait, holding on for us that we're waiting for to have an experience of our own absence, and it's not going. It's not available. You're never going to be there to get it. It's actually a loss of interest in what seems to be there. When the interest is what's causing it to seem to be there, when the interest and attention isn't fueling that appearance, it weakens it, and then you see through it. And when you see through it, that's like seeing your original face. Yeah, no thing. Yeah. No noun, yeah. No noun as a physical subject, just verbing, just screaming, just seeing, you know. And in that, in that constant movement is where you rest, truly. Yeah. That's where you really find stillness. Like it says in that Zen statement I use a lot, you can't use activity to find stillness. Yeah, you can't use a practice to find stillness. That would be activity. Yeah? In this case, the ultimate activity is where the stillness lies. Because it's not anything that's happening, it's always happening, so it doesn't even seem like it's occurring. Yeah? It's sort of like here, we're sitting here, and no one's a feeling really is, is understanding or really concerned or worried about the effects of gravity, I don't think. Yeah? You weren't at a cafe this morning and People were complaining about gravity. You know, gravity is very heavy on my right shoulder today. How about you? Yeah, your one's dripped a little bit. Gravity's got a thing for you today. Keeping you down. Keeping you down. Yeah. No one's doing that because it's constantly affecting this apparatus, so it's not noticed. Yeah. Well, what that presence is is constantly so, so it's not noticed. It's not noticed. We miss it. We miss it because we we we're we're programmed to see things that come and then go. But we don't we're not programmed to see what's always here. Yeah. So that's why I like to use the word entertainment. Because all this came after the fact for me. I went to the meetings, listened to stuff and then some things occurred, and then I found ways to try to describe how it seemed best, you know, suited to the way I was feeling about it. And the word entertainment was really important because that's what it's like. It's not like this isn't about concentration and focus. It's more about diffusion. Like the aperture opens up, not concentrates. Because I notice when a lot of times. When the mind concentrates, what gets enlarged is not what you're looking at, but who's looking. You know what I mean? There's an, it's an opposite effect. You think you're really getting into that topic, but you're getting absorbed in self quite a lot. The idea of the one. Yeah. 
So you get, let's say, you're studying God, and it's not like like Ramana Mahashi says, to know God is to be God. But in most cases, in this way, to know God is to become the knower of God. So you be you're more much more important than the God that you're knowing. Yeah, this is what happens. But in this case, it's more like if you've ever heard of Dokshen in uh, Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, the Great Perfection. They call it the relaxed awareness. So it's like a relaxed awareness. So the aperture opens up. It's diffused. Yeah, it's more like a 360 degree thing instead of like a five degree thing focus. You know, with an intent or a purpose. That's a form of looking. Looking, this kind of looking never finds seeing. Seeing is too dispersed, yeah? It's too relaxed. It's not going anywhere, yeah? It's like we say, you know, the only way you can get lost is if you're going somewhere. If you're not going anywhere, you're never lost, really. So here you are, this is open and it's dispersed, yeah? That lens opens up. And so that's how you travel, yeah? The mind's open. It's relaxed because there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do in a sense. You're not going to attain anything or achieve anything. Your most noble endeavors after you've given up all your other endeavors is still not an endeavor, really. That's given up also. And so you're walking around with a big open lens. And what happens is all a huge amount of possibilities that weren't being noticed start to get noticed. Yeah. Because you're seeing. Yeah. So instead of I was okay and I hope to be okay, you are okay. Yeah? You know, instead of seeing like, oh, I've got to be doing and having and achieving and this and that, it's more about expressing. Yeah? Because you're already at, you're at, you've already reached pater in a way. You are the pater. So there's more like, oh, well, just expression. So you're more at, I don't know how it wants to express. How, what's going to happen? I'm going to find out. Yeah? I'll find out. I'll see, I'll see the tracks on the trail and I'll know where it's going. That's the best I can do. Yeah. And I have total confidence in it because it's a, it's, in a sense it's not going anywhere to get anything that it, that it doesn't have or it isn't. Yeah? Because being is complete. It's not enough. It doesn't need to enter a process to finally reach a crescendo. It's complete already. It's not wasing and willing. It's being. Yeah? It's, not in, it's not in a pursuit to achieve its own sense. It's at basically, I would say, expressing or attempting to express its own sense. But it's not attempting to find itself. It cannot not find itself. It's all there is. Now, the selfing is a whole different uh, article. It's a very small system that cannot fulfill its main agenda, which is to be a self. It can never make that so. It can only make it appear to be so. Yeah? To mind. That's all it can do. That's all that can happen. Yeah. It can never finally find fulfillment. Therefore, it's like a desire that never gets fulfilled. What is that but the base of anxiety and agitation? That agitation, instead of having a, an open aperture, it closes on a, on a subject. Let's say you're walking down the street and it's a beautiful day. Then you see someone who's very attractive. And then you desire that. You forget about the whole freaking day. Yeah, and now you're on them. Maybe you'll follow her about eight blocks on the streets and thinking you'll go to the same cafe, buy something you don't want to buy, drink something you don't want to drink, just to start. This is what happens with that with a desire. Well, that this desire of selfing is always on. It's always unfulfilled. What happens if you don't meet that girl? You're pissed off. You're frustrated. So you go home and eat a 
pint of Agudas and watch some freaking movie like three times or something like that and then start having an attitude of hating women or whatever starts going on. This is the Petri dish of selfing. Yeah? Because a desire begets another desire. This desire can never be fulfilled, so now I have a desire to feel better about that. Yeah? So each addiction is just another step from the original addiction. And then you get lost in that one addiction, and you never get to the root cause. Yeah? So that addiction, maybe you stop drinking, now you're looking at pornography. Now you're shopping too crazily. Yeah? Now you're spending money you don't have. It's just still keep leaking out, leaking out, leaking out, because the, 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 the break in the, in the pipe hasn't been fixed. Yeah? You'll know it by the solution. You'll know it by the relief. When, it, when a very strong, uh, broad relief comes over you, you're on to something. Yeah? Entertain that. That's worthy of entertaining. Instead of worrying about, oh, my pants too short, or, you know, is my zipper down, or what that girl mean by saying hello to me, or what's going to happen to me? <laughs> no, all freaking day. The mind's nature is to entertain. Why not give it something worthy to entertain? Like, hey, here's your own face, bro. Your original face. Look, and that looking will never run into an object. It'll be like infinitely seen. And just keep expanding, expanding, expanding as far as you can go. Yeah? If you can handle the you know, the energy insert, you can just... Yeah? If you can handle incessant onness, it will happen. I swear. It, it's, it has no... You know, I used to go to healers, energetic healers, and I thought I had the problem, and then when I tell them, they didn't even address it. They didn't see that as the problem at all. This doesn't see what you're taking to be a problem as a problem. It just downloads, <laughs> and it's incessantly on. If you're willing to stand it, it'll just keep on keeping on, yeah? It can get as bright as it can go. But the point is, the scene opens up. And what comes in and goes out is a lot more than what was coming in that little tunnel vision of, i got to get this. This is going to produce what I think. Yeah? It's a failed system. You're relying on a failed system. It's like having that snake where you save the snake and you take it home and you put it in a shoebox and you feed it with a little eye drop and you put a nice little like flannel blanket over it and miss the snake and everything and then it starts getting healthy and you're walking it around and it bites you and you're like really upset. Why the hell did you bite me? Look at what I've done for you. And he says, hey, I'm a snake. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What is a failed system going to do but fail? Yeah. What is a failed system going to do? It has to be true to its own quote-unquote nature and which is to fail. Look at us. Take a sober accounting. See how it's working for you. Yeah, That horse you were riding and whipping and expecting to get you somewhere may be dead. <laughs> Trying to get off and, then, and maybe let the mind entertain another possibility, access another modality, and then see how that works for you. Yeah, For me, it became a lot more inclusive. I thought everything was either or. Either I'm working or I'm having fun. Now I have fun doing what I do. Yeah? Everything got a lot more inclusive, not so much separated. And there was how I, how could I have ever practiced to get there? I didn't know what that there would look like. Yeah, I don't know what 
people talk about humility. How are you going to produce humility? You have no idea what humility looks like. You find out about humility. When the mind shifts to it out of self-centeredness, it sort of becomes right-sized. Yeah? It's sort of, it gets, uh, the, the card deck gets reshuffled. Things get aligned. You start seeing blue is blue and red is red. It's not like a practice, it just occurs. And you find out about its occurrence because it's happening through you. Yeah? You're not reading about someone else, it's happening through you. You're your own scripture. You're reading the new scripture today, sitting here. Yeah? And then the next page is blank and it'll be written again and written again. And then the intimation of what can't be known gets very strong. You intimate it. You sense a presence. Yeah. When you're looking, you're like looking out in this space and you almost see something. You, know? you see space as something more, more real than this. Yeah. Just the space of the room. You get the eyes to see. Like this whole idea with the selfing, we talked about it. Well, the first movement of selfing is claiming. Yeah, that's what it does. It claims. You can use a simple example. Here's a bottle, water. Yes, everyone sees it. Okay. So now, when I look at this bottle and I hold it as my bottle, what does this bottle now do? It's not even. It's not just going to quench my thirst, it's going to be used to point at the, someone who has the bottle. Yeah? Every problem you have has a different uh, value to the mental condition. It points to the one who has the problem. That's why sometimes it's very difficult to get out of problems because the pointing is necessary for the appearance of selfing to be reinforced. Yeah? Every thought held as your thought points to the thinker. Every thought points to a very old thought called I'm the thinker. Every thought claimed by the mental process is used to point to the thinker. Every feeling claimed by the mental process is used to point to the feeler. You may have thousands of different feelings, but there'll be one feeler. You'll have hundreds of millions of thoughts and there'll be one thinker. All of them have a purpose, in a sense. They're being used. Yeah. The word mind... Here's a thought coming by. The conditional mind sees it. First of all, the mind sees it. The conditional mind rises and says, I'm the seer of it. Yeah? So now that's my thought. As soon as the my thought happens, there's a bridge that's built to what this my or this Paul represents, which is tons of ideas, tons of beliefs, tons of tons of tons of mental minutiae, emo emotional minutiae, all this, and it downloads into the thought. In other words, the mind gives meaning to that thought. Yeah? Injects it, and then when you become aware of the thought after this process is set, you believe the thought is bringing you the meaning. You believe that this, this big truck of bad meaning has just uninvited driven up your driveway and dumped all this shit on you. And you're really freaking pissed off, and therefore you're looking to blame someone, either yourself or someone else. And so, if they didn't do that, I wouldn't be thinking this way or whatever. Yeah. But the fact is, you got to get clear of what's happening, or there's no solution. There'll be tons of solutions, but they won't work. 
So here, a thought is a thought. If you have a thought and it's held as yours, it has the ability to ruin your whole day. It will not ruin my day because I'm clearly seeing it as your thought. I may have empathy for you and compassion, but it's not going to have a huge effect on me. Yeah? I have a built-in immunity because I don't see it as mine. But the same thought, the same thought held as my thought can have a huge effect on me. So it's not the thought that has the effect. It's the mind. Yeah? The mind is what introduces the effect into the thought. And then the thought's like a piñata that we open, we bang open up, yeah? Way past the point of conscious contact, way down the line. The mental process has already commandeered it, hijacked it, and is using it for its intent. And then we think we're having the thought, yeah? I'm the thinker of it, like a piñata. We hit it, it opens up, and then its meaning drops it on us, yeah? And then we try to deal with that. This is, how are you going to, how is there going to be relief in that consequential situation? You've got to hope that the thoughts don't bring you these terrible meetings. You're going to have to, there's going to be a lot of praying and hoping that things will change. Yeah? But yet, there's no way you don't know what there is that needs to be changed. Here's the thing. Every thought implies the thinker. The thinker is the dominant thought. Yeah? That you're the thinker. Yeah? That, that, that meaning of being the thinker, that ownership, that proprietoriness, is being inje- injected into every thought that you seem to have. This is how the trance of self-centeredness keeps getting reinforced. Yeah? See the how is how... You know how when you... You ever reverse engineer something? When you don't know how something works, and then you take it apart, and you figure it out how it works? This is what you can do. You can see it. You can see how this thing is built and structured, and maybe by that sim- that possibility it offers you, that this is a foreign installment, that that allegiance to it, that cherishing of it, that taking it to be so all about you, may be dismissed, and you'll be able to walk away from it and not look back. There won't be any sort of allegiance to it, that you want to have it come along with you. Yeah? That you'll be able to just walk away and be freed from the bondage of self. And it's not for the rest of your life, it's for this moment. Because the activity of the bondage is happening now, by the way the thought system is held. Conscious contact, forgotten. I'm the one who's in conscious contact. Remembered. You can't remember conscious contact. There's no need to. It is. But you constantly remember self, because it isn't. It has to be remembered because it's not so. That's why, like St. Francis says, it's forgetting the self. That's how you're reborn or something like that. And a great Zen master called Dogen said, to study Buddhism is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. Yeah? That's what we're doing today. <laughs> we're studying the selfing. Why? So that maybe you get a hit that it's not you. And if you get a hit that it's not you, what's going to happen? You're going to forget about it to some degree. Maybe an incredible degree, maybe an increasing degree, but there'll be a degree of separation yeah, from that, and there'll be a, you'll travel lighter. That's the whole freaking point. Yeah? Because lighter will be get more lighter. Yeah? Once you get a flavor of what it's like, you'll probably have an incredible, spontaneous reaction. Hey, I like that. And therefore, your allegiance will be broken to that dead horse, and you'll be put more into the live horse. Yeah? 
and then you'll have the wind blowing through your hair, and you'll really feel like your hand will be on the pulse of life. You'll feel alive now. Yeah, instead of hoping someone's going to bring you a feeling of zest and aliveness. I can't, I gotta meet someone, you know, it's, you can't, cease. you're at a bus stop that's, the, the route's been canceled, it ain't coming. <laughs> it ain't canceled, you gotta start, you gotta just start itching or whatever, because it's not coming. And even if it came, if the door opened and swung open, you probably have a story about how long you've been there longing for the truth, when the bus of truth came by, and the guy goes, Come on in. Oh, but I've been longing for so many years. I'm so happy you're here. Let me save it up. Get in. Oh, no. I, you can't believe how much I've yearned for this moment. Get in. No, you don't understand. I know. Where's the violins? Yes. Get in. And then the door closes and the bus of truth takes off. And then you're still at the bus. And that's exactly where your head wanted to be. It wanted to want to be free. It didn't want to be free. The bus is here every day and we're declining it. We're in an active denial of what is, yeah, by this active, active affirmation of what is. That's what the mind's doing. You check it out. That's what happens. I had already seen it. I've been up ten days shooting coke, you know, many, many times. Hung out in a hotel some freaking where in San Francisco. And all the information had been displayed, but I could, nothing was made of it. It was just produced more and more mental anguish, like a pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. And I figured what I thought, I thought if I had my mind get taut enough, it would snap, and I'd transcend it. And so I figured if I could just keep doing the coke for like 10 days, go into a delirious state, and just keep doing it until it snapped my mind, I'd be free from this fucking thing. Well, it, you can't transcend an imaginary place. Mm. You know? And I would match my devotion to drugs with any spiritual devotee in the history of spirituality. Hanuman, the monkey guy, whatever. Mm. I, did, I gave everything to him with that life. I prostituted myself. I took everything of mine and yours for it. I loved it. Never loved anything more than cocaine. It has a very strong personality. It's an, it's an incredible mental wind, that fucking thing. And uh, I was dedicated my life to that, and it didn't. It doesn't work. You can't transcend an imaginary place. So when this download occurred and something actually shifted, then all that stuff that had been so heavy became very liberating information, because I had seen the beast from head to toe, but I was still under its paw, you know. Then I saw it free from the paw. I free from the fucking thing. I could see it. I could see it. I could see its activity. I could see how it was made and constantly being remade all day. Never created, just made and remade and made and remade and reinforced and da-da-da, assumed, implied, inferred. Yeah? And then the mind does the rest. The mind, the mind, right where you are, makes the leap. Yeah? No one's pushing you off the board. No one's pushing you off the, the diving board. You make the leap. The mind makes the leap. Yeah? Therefore, there is a power where you're sitting. Yeah? If there's a pause before that leap and, you, and, and that, that knee-jerk reaction to just ha- fall right into that sense of self would just spur so much more ripping from the mental condition. When that pause happens, the whole system's interrupted. Yeah? The whole system's interrupted. And that pause is like the solution because it's an eternal 
timeless moment. Yeah? It has timelessness in it. It's drenched in it. Yeah? It may only seem like a second, but it's eternity. And that's how long your that's how long your salvation can last. Yeah? So what I thought was terrible became very, very like it says in recovery, you'll realize that the bottoms and all that stuff you went through will become valuable somehow. Well, this became valuable to me because once this one thing was ignited, I needed just one match. All the information was there, but I was it just wasn't lighting up. And then I heard this little idea, hey, you're not that. Threw it on there, and then the freaking went off like a bonfire. And then the downloads just started happening about that, which I'm not. <laughs> I figured, man, I should share this stuff because uh, it was revelatory to me. And like we were talking earlier today, you know, what enthusiasm means is uh, I think you're infused with spirit, Latin, yeah? That's what it's like for me. It's very enthusiastic. It's very, oh, just stoked by it all the time. Because <laughs> I have had the flavor of that exquisite suffering, you know? There's nothing like being all there is and thinking you're so limited, you know? There's nothing like being the source of love and then feeling you're unloved. Or unable to love. That's really even more painful. You know, when I was out there, you know, people talk about living on the edge. You know, like getting shot at and shooting dope and everything. But really, living on the edge is like sitting in a room with unconditional love for five minutes. That's what's really scary. Or going to a job interview. The other shit is easy, really. But to feel unconditional love with us, incredible bias of how you don't deserve it, playing with so much belief in that, it's like excruciating. Yeah. This is what it's like, that hell. And the fact is, it's everyone in this room has tons of faith. Everybody in this room has tons of faith. It's a quality of mind. Yeah. It's what vehicle it's put in. See, if you have faith in this failed system, you're going to live in anxiety quite a lot. What's not happening is going to have the biggest influence in your life. And that's a pity, isn't it? That you can't even respond to what's happening. That you're enslaved to the the threat of what's not happening. But if that faith is removed from that vehicle of the thought system, let's see where life places it. Maybe you'll find out it will rest in something that will prove to be very benevolent and you'll really feel trusting and safe and secure and you can really rest that. You can sort of give up the ghost in a way. Like it says in recovery, you have to abandon yourself that, does, that means with no reservation, yeah? Abandon yourself. Let go. If you don't let go of your old ideas, the result will be no. No. Yeah. The oldest idea is that there's a you. It's the oldest of all of the old ideas, that you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's a mental idea that we got stuck on. If you don't let go of that one, the results are going to be nil in a sense. Yeah. So abandon yourself to that. How do I do that? You'll find out. You know? It may not look. It may not be like at a you know, you know, the long hair on a cliff with the I'm going to surrender. It may just be you know, you know, cleaning your toilet when it gets backed up. Who knows? <laughs> it may not look like you think. It may not be that romantic. But I'll tell you something. It's the. It's like we were talking about last night. Every day, a little bit of that heaviness will be skimmed off. 
every activity. You know what? And that adds up. Yeah? Instead of waiting for the big chunk to be taken off of you, a little <laughs> bit each day, every second, take it off. Over time, that's the much more, much more valuable than the big chunk that you make a big monument about. Oh, that was the day I got that. You won't even notice this. You know, it'll just be so beautiful, just traveling lighter, traveling lighter, traveling lighter. More and more pared down, more and more economized. It's like being on an operating table and your job is just not to get up. Yeah? You just never take the role of being the doctor. (laughs) Just stay stay the patient. I'm finding out. You diagnose me, you tell me, yes, use me and stuff. Yeah. So I always like that approach of looking at what we're not and just seeing that. Because if someone tells me, well, this happened in the past, I used to hear all these incredibly lovely descriptions of the eternity, you know, the eternal bliss and like that, and it just made it worse. Because I just kept realizing I wasn't there. <laughs> and, and then I felt I should be there. I had this dilemma when I was young. I met a guru from India. I didn't meet him at first. I met some of his representatives. A guy named Guru Maharaji. He was a little kid, 13 years old. He was, I mean, his family had a franchise. The father was a guru. Then he died. He was dying, so he gave it to his youngest son, you know, passed the business down. (laughs) The kid had no, I don't think he really had any idea what was going on. But, you know, he was the guru. And he was the Lord of the Universe. Now, I don't know about you, but I never was in, introduced to spirituality. But when I was, I had thousands of ideas about it. I could not believe how many... This is how... All these ideas are just... They're just latently there. They're waiting to get access. So I entered this topic called spirituality, thinking it's me, now that's becoming spiritual. Tons of ideas of what I thought spirituality should be and shouldn't be downloaded. I couldn't believe it. I thought I knew what a guru should be. Who the, I don't have no freaking idea. Especially I thought I know what a devotee should be. Yeah? So it was like, here I am, there's the Lord of the Universe, and I don't like the Lord of the Universe. That was an incredible situation, I was in. Because that made me something that wasn't too nice in my own head, yeah? Here's the Lord of the Universe. How can you not like the Lord of the Universe? I mean, he's the Lord of the Universe. This is what you've been looking for, or supposedly, for maybe eternity. And here I am, I don't like him. Like you know, it produced so much anguish for five freaking years. I was trying to plan on, jokingly, but with a little bit of truth, of how to assassinate him. He was, I was at this function in Orlando, Florida, and it was like a seven-day function. I had been away for a while doing drugs, and I tried to get back into it. The whole while, though, I had these overalls on. They had a file of coke, like my security blanket, but just in case. <laughs> Which I didn't, but I had it there just in case. So I uh, was there, and then he was doing an open car cavalcade around the grounds. He'd do it every day. So I figured if I had, like, a poison dart that they couldn't see me, I'd shoot him, and it was delayed, and he wouldn't die for about 100 yards, they wouldn't know. And I was just, like, just wanted it to be over. Just because there was so much pain being produced by what was supposedly bring me, supposed to bring me relief. It was used the exact opposite way. Exact opposite way. So in this case, even the solution, this message, that gets thrown out. So there's nothing that the mind can pick up and use against you. Yeah, nothing. It has, there's no handle, it can't grab it, 
Yeah, it can't make something that's like good as to bad because it's nothing. It's nothing. It can't make it into anything. Yeah. So even as soon as the problem, which seems real, it needs a real solution. As soon as it's, the real solution dawns in you, the problem is seen as unreal. As soon as it's seen as unreal, there's no need for a solution. Yes. Why would you have a solution if it's an unreal problem? That's the greatest of all solutions. It, it makes itself obsolete, just like I'm supposed to become. Hopefully not today, but here. <laughs> my job is to just share something with you, and I'm ultimately obsolete. If this really worked, you wouldn't, you know, you'd get it, in a sense. I get it, you are it. And therefore, maybe you'd come to see us, to hang out, but there wouldn't be any drive to come here, because you, you'd realize you're not getting anything. That's the greatest gift of all. The greatest gift of all is to realize you came here with nothing, and if you leave with nothing, that's the greatest gift of all. Because nothing is the gift that keeps on giving. It's ultimately infinite. This, it never ends. It's, there's no quantity to it. So this solution is thrown out, so you don't have a solution either. So the mind can't use that, because it's used a lot of solutions to beat the living shit out of this. It has. When I don't measure up to what I think the solution should be, or I'm not doing it the way I think I should be doing the solution, the solution, in a sense, becomes another problem. But this is so beautiful. Once the solution dawns on you, the problem's imaginary, the solution goes. So even if you, you reach for it to beat yourself up, I'm not a, I'm not a good non-dualist, or whatever it is, or whatever we're thinking we're doing. Come on, it's ridiculous. You know, I'm a good. I'm not a good non-person. I should be more of a non-person than I am. You know how? I mean, you can't do anything with it. That's the. It's the most perfect gift because it can't do anything with it. It just has to sort of stop and just. It just gets frozen. You know, frozen into stopping. And when it stops, you realize it's not so. Yeah. Because something continues when it stops. When the selfing stops. Pointing, and when the, the inference stops being left, there's still something there, which is the scene. I can't uh, put more impetus on that. It is so economical. You know, because anything that's left behind, the mind will pick up and turn it over and mull it over and judge you by it. Yes? They'll measure you and other people. They got it before me. They've only gone to 10 satsangs. I've gone to 800 satsangs. It'll do the same old, same old with everything else. It'll do it with this message. Don't think this message is immune to that. The mind will make it into something. But if the message immediately blows up as soon as it works its wonders, there's nothing to do with it. You can't grab it. You can't bang yourself over the head with it or you're not hit with it. Yeah. <laughs> So, hey, Paul, sometimes you seem to be using the word mind interchangeably with, you know, it, it could mean selfing or it could mean consciousness. So, can you promise me you're not doing that? Because <laughs> I keep, you know, hearing mind and then, like, I can't promise 30 you minutes that. later, I go, oh yeah, he means consciousness, not selfing. What I want you to see is what you mean. 
But well, I think the consensus is it seems that mine means something. no. What you, not the consensus. What you? Well, think I've always be. taken it to mean the thinking process. Well, that one part so, and what I'm saying is implying the mind, the raw mind, or the unconditional mind, which you let's say you just place it, replace it with awareness. Yeah. But I yeah. just like the word mind because awareness sometimes seems to be a little uh, dullish to me. Mind is very, very like pregnant. It's like alive. Yeah. Tons of possibilities. And so I, li- I rather use that term terminology because it's both. It's also that still super stillness, but it's also that, yeah. But that? I've, I've never heard it used as a substitute for awareness or consciousness. I've always heard it as the thinking process. Yes. The mind is the selfing. What you call selfing. Yeah. Okay, well, if so you read on Zen, when I hear you say mind, yeah, that's my first thought, and then you know, like I say. I'm trying to understand that, and then yeah. 30 seconds later, I go, wait a minute, he doesn't mean selfing, <laughs> he means consciousness, now I've got to go back and try, and try and, you know, go through it again. I wouldn't do that, you know what, because this spiritual subpoena has been served, it's, the, it's happening, the energy is the thing, the words are just a vehicle, don't worry about it, don't, yeah, no, see, if you start it. looking at the specs of the car, you'll miss the, what's in it. Really, just feel it. If you feel something and motivates you to come here, have faith in mind and follow that. It was. It's not going to skew you. Faith in and big mind. But either big mind and mind are the same. Remember, you know Buddhism, enlightenment, then the enlightened mind and the normal mind or the ordinary mind are the same mind. There's just possibilities arising in this giant field. Yeah. One possibility is called enlightenment. Another possibility is called ordinary mind. Yeah? You know, you have imminence. Yes, imminent, something's imminent. Then there's potential. Everything is available. It appears and disappears in a field. Let's say you want to call it a field of awareness or a field of mind. I like to use the word mind at the beginning. Yeah? Everything that comes into appearance and then disappears. But what's, what's a, what it's appearing in and disappearing in doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. We're, tra- we're programmed to see what appears and disappears and take that to be real. But what's real, we don't take to be real because it's always there. Yeah. We're not noticing that. Yeah. Now that's, been, that's a contrived type of program that causes us to be blind to that. It's called a form of looking called self-centeredness. Yeah. So self, self-centeredness co-ops the seeing and hijacks it and translates it into a form of looking, <coughs> which causes us to be blind to the seeing. So when St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for, a lot of people don't get that, because they actually have a belief, what's looking is somebody, yeah? that it's me that's looking. And they have a real strong belief that I'm not looking for that me. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of that me. Yeah? But he doesn't say who's looking, it says what's looking is what you're looking for. Yeah. So truly what's going on is what's looking, and then there's a mental interpretation that's that turns it into who's looking. And that's where the miss occurs. Yeah? So all the while you you believe you're looking, that's what's looking. And that's what you're looking for. It's attempting to save you a huge amount of time. 
One of the best gifts you can have here is time saved. That's why some of the greatest statements in quote-unquote spirituality are very succinct. They're like five sentences, five words, yeah? What's looking is what you're looking for. I mean, they can stop you right in your tracks and change your whole life. Yeah, You can't sell a book on it. You know, it'd be like one page. You know, <laughs> Which would be great in a way. I always wanted to write a book and then have a statement and say, all right, for further validation of the statement, go to page 67, and then you'd go to 67, it'd be blank. <laughs> and then another statement, go to page 99, and that would be blank. <laughs> so the real message would be the blank pages. <laughs> I'm sorry, you got to screw with small mind. Yeah. you got to screw with that. you got to irritate it. It's very complacent, man. It's gotten fat. It has a it has a feeling it has a feeling it's invulnerable. It has met it's met these great adversaries like Buddhism, it's conquered it, you know, Judaism conquered that, Christianity conquered that, co opted that. It's pretty it's pretty filled it's filled with itself. It's thinking it's lazy, it's getting it's very lazy, it's doing the same old, same old. It basically everything it's come in contact with it's morphed around and, and sort of dominated and neutered the message that was in that, you know? That great movement. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's thinking, hey, um, you know, what what's what's gonna threaten me? It's pretty, 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 pretty arrogant in a way. So you like to sort of irritate it. Mm-hmm. It is, truly. Mm-hmm. If you've watched it, it is. Look at what the things have happened. Every message has turned into something so fast. Yeah? The message as it was delivered probably was so beautifully no thingness, and yet in time it's made into something, and then it's used for something totally, I would say, different probably than the intention of the invitation. You know, uses to sell something, sell something, or impose something on somebody, or something like that, and it goes on and on and on and on, and it doesn't seem no matter how beautiful the message is, it can be co-opted. Yes, because the mind precedes it all. The mind will give everything the meaning it has. It can take the truth, just like I know a lot of people in recovery of the AA program who now the solution is part of the problem. They never have a bottom because when it gets bad, they go into AA for a week or two, and then they go back out and keep getting loaded. It goes on for years. I've watched a couple of people I know. For years they've been doing that. So, in other words, they're using the solution as, the, as part of the problem, though. They never get to have a bottom, which would probably maybe incite a real shift because they, they can run into AA. I was happy I didn't know about AA, so I had to get my royal ass kicked. And then, you know, until I was pretty much convinced and washed up on the shores of AA. But I never, I can't believe it. To me, I, in a sense, I have a lot of respect for the solution of AA, and I've seen it co-opted and made into a problem quite a lot. So, mind overrides everything here. I don't care how pristine the information is, or the path is, it can be overridden by what thinks it's on the path, easily. Yeah? We, this, this is a different type of uh, approach, uh, no approach at all. Yeah? So, it's sort of like the Eye of Sauron. You ever see the, the Hobbit in those movies? You know, the Eye of Sauron, it has this ring at once, so it's scouring Middle Earth for this ring. Yes? constantly fixated on this ring. That's its value. This is what this message is like. It's like nothing. So the eye of Sauron just goes right over it. It doesn't even notice. It's because it's looking for something. You know what I mean? Something like, 
that's what it wants. That's what it values. This is just dog shit awareness. The only time I'm cursing today. Dog shit awareness. Dog shit awareness. It steps right over it in its pursuit of things that it thinks are valuable or trying to dismiss things that it thinks are valuable. This thing gets in the back door. I've seen people enter this quote-unquote non-duality thing. After a year or two, they're bored. Because it's not, they can't make it into anything too much, yeah? No one's walking up, oh, you're, that loving gaze you have, you must be really high, present, oh, you know? And, you know, I used to, I remember when I first heard it, my girl, I used to, you know, let's say my girlfriend would come home and say, hey, Paul, you didn't wash the dishes. I'd say, there is no Paul. There's no Paul that could wash the dishes. She'd say, screw you, wash the dishes, you know? My head was trying to use it. As an advantage, you know what I mean. And after a while, it just falls apart because it just it doesn't it can't get enough steam. So it's put, usually it's put down, you know, and or it's made into something. Yeah. But if you can weather that storm and just stick with it, even if it doesn't seem like it's doing anything far out, really, just stick with it. You know, honor what that unspoken yes heralded. If you had an aha or an unspoken yes, honor it. Put faith in that mind, that note, the big M, that noticed something that you weren't noticing. And now that you've dismissed it and you haven't been able to mine anything out of it and it doesn't seem to be working, entertain it still. Just see what happens, yeah? See what happens. People jump off the boat too quickly and they always want to move to the next new thing. You know, the next new this and the next new that. Sit, stay with it and entertain it. Allow it to sort of seep in. It'll, it'll, it's, you'll have to either begrudgingly or with great admiration admit that it's allowed you to travel over time. If you, have, if you even need the narration to tell you that. But down the road, the head's going to actually have to admit things have changed. Yes? It's not that it's not that romantic or exciting. Most people I know don't give a shit about it. people I hang out with at home. They don't care. They don't see anything I'm doing as anything special, or nothing. Nor do I. You know, it'd be much better if I had something to teach. This is about really. It's like inviting. The only thing I can teach is about what we're not. Yeah, you can't teach about what we are. How can you do that? You can teach about what we're not. This is like inviting, not advaita, in a way. It's inviting. <laughs> it's an invitation to entertain some possibilities. My job is to become obsolete. My success is if no one comes. Ultimately. Yeah? Not now. I need some, my lavish lifestyle needs some donations. Down the road, there won't be any need and there won't be any drive. We'll just be here to enjoy the space. That's nice, eh? Well, I like your message. To me, it's like uh, putting a little mind out of a job, and it doesn't want to, it wants to keep working. And you're saying, like, sorry, I don't need you anymore because you didn't work for me. You didn't do a good job in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, what what happens is you, what gets built is a, 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 like a, uh, like a false little corporate headquarters and it's in there running it but it has no none of the phone lines go out to any of the navigational systems you just but it's all still yapping commands and I'm going to fire you and 
you're not going to get that raise, and no, shit's going to happen. And it's yelling, it's, it's got a big megaphone, but it's like in an in, like a soundproof room. You're not, not hearing anything. But, oh, you, yes, you. And of course, it's so filled with itself, it believes that everything is com- coming to pass, and you're just, you know, traveling lighter. Yeah, yeah. You hear it, but you're not listening to it. It's different. Consciousness is going to hear it. You're awake, yeah? So what arises, you're going to know. But listening to it is intention. That's when the then that's when a, 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 the agenda may not be aware of is arising, which is the bondage to an idea, a mental idea, the mental process is using, yeah, the systems to bond to an idea of being a self. That's listening. It's totally different feeling. Hearing is totally different than listening. Yeah, just like seeing is totally different than looking. Looking has an intent. Yeah, seeing is different. Seeing is dispersed, open. Looking has an intent. It's looking for something. Yeah? That's why you can't see nothing. As soon as you're looking for something, you're blinded to nothing. Yeah? Because anytime you come across nothing, you make it something. And the mind's so quick in doing that, you don't notice it. You're privy to it after it's already made it into something. It's so fast, the heist. The heist is very, very fast. The robbery's happening right now. Yeah. We're not. We're waking up. We're coming to at like square four. Yeah. Square zero would be first. Square zero is just that space. Then square one would be the conscious contact. Then square two, mental processes arise, and then square two, the sense of self is dominant. Yeah. Or square three. Now we're starting, we think the game board starts at square three when it's actually square zero. Anytime you have a free sample, be it at square three and all the squares that come after it, which is 10, 20, 80, 90, every time there's a free sample occurs, the recognition is that you're on square zero. Every time. Be it 20, square 23, something happens, square zero becomes dominant. 85, square zero. After a few of them, you realize, hey, there's only square zero. <laughs> square 23 appears to be so, 83 appears to be so, 65 appears to be so, but when it's seen through, I'm at square zero. You realize you've never left square zero after a while, and then it's an easier way to travel. That's what happens. You see it. Yeah. If you keep going back to square zero, you get you never left square zero. Everything's just appearing. To be squares twenty-eight, really, doesn't it? Every every one of those squares, they appear and they evaporate, don't they? But what's always so is the seeing of it all. That's square zero. Now, if you're based there, the game looks different. It looks totally different from square zero than square three. Square three, it's all about me. The whole game, everything, every square I land on will pertain to me, because it's the game of self-centeredness. Yeah. Square zero, it's like, now, square three, life's happening to you. That's the story, the theme of the, the game. Square zero, life's happening. Totally different. You'll travel a totally different way if it's seen as life's happening to me or life's happening. Totally different. And you can't get feel the feeling of life's happening from square three. It's always going to be made into it's happening to me. Yeah? From square zero, you'll see, you'll see square three, as part of life happening. It won't make that little turn and to become like siphoned right back into this idea of being you. You'll be freed. And then the game that you call monopoly will be seen to be something else. 
It's not a part of you that's doing that. It's just the mind. That, that yeah. 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 See, if, let's say if you're on square three, then you're seeing from that. You're seeing from square three. You're never seeing square three. Even though the seeing's available, but now the seeing has a direction called a way of looking, which is, so the seeing is never resting in square on square three, or you'd wake up, in a way. It's it's thrust out to square four, five, and six, so now you're looking down this, you know, figuring out your strategy, and there's time, there's past squares and future squares, all like that, yeah? So now the seeing is now a form of looking, or that's how you're traveling with. From But from square zero, you see that formulation. You see how seeing gets co-opted and turned into a form of looking. It can't become a form of looking, it just appears to be a form of looking. It's always seeing. That's why St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. So the seeing never truly gets bastardized, it just appears to be. Yeah? That's the freedom. It's just like that in recovery. If this was a hopeless state of mind and body, I should just leave this room and shoot some coke. If this is all that fucking is, I'm going to get high. Yeah? But it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So right where the problem is, your F3 is the solution. Yeah, because you're not that. And how, how do you know it? Right now maybe you don't, so you entertain the possibility, but you're going to get free samples to verify it. And then the calibration will shift from square three to square zero a number of times, and one time a lot of your emphasis won't leave square zero. And then... If you get 51% of the stock, it's your company. You know. <laughs> That's what happens. So. I mean, this is what happens, at least what my experience with it is. Yeah? It's just a recalibration. The mind sees, it just gets recalibrated. Your interest and attention gets freed from this bondage to this idea of being Paul. You stop looking at everything as how it pertains to you. Now that looking continues, but you stop looking from that point of view. And you see it, you see it, you see it, you see it just like you'd see a tree. Yeah, you'd see its structure, but it's a structure. And it's re- it has to be reinforced because it, the bonding has to be reapplied all day because it's not a natural bonding. You are something. You're nothing. Yeah? You're not of this place. Like Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're not of thingness, yeah? Your nature is not of form. So, and it's not a mental, it's not a mental idea. You're not of, you're, you're not a mental thing, yeah? So, with that, of course, that's the leavening agent to traveling as a thing, you know? The sense that I'm not that thing, that's how this thing seems to travel later, Yeah? If I was identified with this body, I'll tell you, now, when I was getting loaded, maybe I, I just thought I had a body, you know, really. Maybe I had a, felt a few emotions, usually angst and, you know, anger and, you know, elation when I shot stuff and did these things. But basically, it was just a body, the same body every day. Now, the, the amount of stimuli flooding into consciousness is mind-boggling all day. Every second, my body condition's changing. 
every freaking nanosecond sitting here, I can see, I feel totally different than I did a second ago. Different sensations are occurring. It's just on and 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 on. Yeah. But what's noticing it isn't changing. What's noticing it is totally, it unblinks. It never varies. It's not looking away. It's just on because that's its nature. Yeah, it's aware. Yeah. Now I can see why a lot of people want to be disassociated because of like that guy was sharing last night, there is a lot of stimuli coming in from a lot of different senses. And the mind is doing what it's doing. Yeah, But I used to think there was just a body. It's unbelievable how volatile and like fluid and how just uh, <laughs> unformed like it is. Tons of different things are firing all the time. Now, if my attention was on all those things, it would be unbearable. It would be really painful. Because there's aches and pains constantly. But, thank God, the calibration is on what's seeing it. You wouldn't want to have this view if you weren't in the scene. You'd want to be unconscious. You'd want to watch a lot of movies. You'd want to check out. Like that guy was saying, there is a need. The stimuli would be overwhelming to this little pinpointed mind of thinking like Paul. It'd be overwhelming. It's like being one little person as a thing getting avalanched by stimuli. But when it's awareness, then all of that, every every contact, every conscious contact is is the firing of that awareness. Yeah. Everything seen as not it implies it. Yeah. It's like an incessant, constant reminder of what doesn't need to be reminded of. But it's incessantly, like, by seeing what I'm not, you always know what you are. Yeah? Because it's the seeing of what I'm not. That's what I am. So, as all the while I'm seeing what I'm not, all of this information arising, going, everything like that, that's what I am. The seeing of it. Yeah? Talk about being fooled with you, fooled of yourself, and you'll be overflowing. Uh, another clarification of glossary here: conscious contact. Consciousness in contact. Consciousness is moving through five gates, and the sixth gate is the mind. So and it's having contact. What? Yes, sense. Feeling, so, tasting, yeah, touching, touching, smelling. Conscious contact. Seeing. Sense. Yes, consciousness and contact. And include uh, thoughts? Yes. Well, you're hearing thoughts, but it's another conscious contact. Yes. You're conscious of thoughts, yes? It's not, uh, very rarely. It's just like a wall, and then occasionally it's just a on the wall, right? Yeah. But yes, so even if, if very rarely, it's still demonstrating this conscious contact. Yeah. So I would say that's the baseline of this experience here. Consciousness is in contact. Yeah. This is the interface that consciousness can move through and have contact. Yeah. This is it's moving through this to have contact. Yes. Yeah. So the mental process co-ops that and says it's me. It gives. It crowns a mental idea of being the one that's conscious. Yeah. So now you believe you're seeing, you're hearing, you're feeling, you're tasting, as if it's a quality that you have some control over. 
But if it's always displayed that you don't, obviously. If your eyes open, you're going to see what goes by it, yeah? You may say, I didn't want to see a cat today, but if a cat walks by, you're going to see it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not in your field of choice, is it? And then the, the absurd jump is that you believe you're the doer of a very subtle process called thinking. That's really close to my mind. You know? <laughs> that's really, that's a huge leap. Because you can't even digest, you don't even digest your own food, right? Do you? Are you pumping your heart? No. Are you running the blood through your veins? No. But then, a much subtler process of the body-mind, the small m, the brain, a much smaller process of that you take to be the doer of the thinking, which is really incredible. Yeah? That's real arrogance, you know, to make that leap, that heist. Yeah? If you thought you were the digester, you'd have the same stuff. You'd have the same craziness going on about what you, as you, all the things you thought you did. If you were thinking you were doing the digestion, Jesus Christ, you'd never be able to leave your house. <laughs> Jesus, I timed myself. I was really, I digested that pizza really slow. Huh. You know, you'd be having inferiority complexes about how fast you digest a burrito. You'd be making unbelievable. Problems, <laughs> more mental minutia by taking claiming that activity. Thank God it's made so obvious that it's involuntary. Most of the stuff, the one thing that was open to some kind of interpretation, look what the mind has done with that. Thinking, Jesus Christ, if it had the other senses, we'd be all fucked, totally. Oh, I saw, I shouldn't have saw that. <laughs> I shouldn't have seen that. I shouldn't have seen it. You know? Come on, it's freaking insane. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I hate my ears. This one's the bad one. It's ears. <laughs> this one's very good. My good ear. This bad, bad ear. <laughs> you want a field day? We would be comatose in our house. We wouldn't have a house anyway. We'd be just some fucking shaky thing somewhere. <laughs> Holy cow. You know what I mean? How many bowel movements did I do today? Oh, very bad bowel movements. Jesus. We'd, we'd study the toilet bowl. Look at, oh, I'm doing terrible. Let me look at his. Oh, like, look at that. It's a perfect. <laughs> i got to practice more. It's fucking, it's crazy. I mean, but we, we assume every day that we're the thinker. Yeah, well, it is. We're living that assumption, and look at the pain it's causing us. Look at, if you could tap in, just let's say in this room, and most of us seem to be all right, if we could just tap into our head, the anxiety that, that the head is attempting to produce would light up uh, Toronto for probably a couple of months. You know what I mean? I knew a woman, she was the queen of worrying. She would have lit up the whole world. <laughs> I was going to have like a call in that she would worry for people. Because she could just worry away like unbelievable. You could say something that had nothing to do with her, and it, I'd watch her mind make it into something about her in half a second. I could see it. Work, and then it would be about her again. It's incredible. Yeah? But this is, can you imagine if you had all the other senses were under your. That, that you believe that you were the one that was seeing, hearing, and taste touching. You know, you touched something that was rough and you blamed yourself for it. How insane would that be? Yeah? How insane it would be being so self-centered that if you touched something rough, you would blame you, you yourself for it. Yet, the thinking, 
the thinking. If it's if it's disturbed, you believe you're disturbed. Yeah. If it's causing you anguish, you take it to be your anguish, which is the real root of it all. The root of all the suffering is the being the doer or the claimer. If you would see that it wasn't, if you're not the proprietor, you have the opportunity to leave that place that you think is yours. You can leave it. The power of that mind to sort of inflict so much agitation on a day that's really pretty quiet, you know, now that the roof is stopped too. <laughs> you know, you you could finally see, to me, with the identification of self, when that shifted, it shifted everything. Obsession with self was trying to live with something, trying to learn how to tolerate something, trying to cohabitate a space with something. Maybe at least try to get 10% of my life and have it have 90%, you know? And maybe if I begged enough and tithed enough and worked hard enough, he would give me a couple of percentages more. But when I realized I'm not that, I can be free of it. If you're identified as it, the only way you can entertain freedom is being free as that, which is not freedom. That's the bondage of self. But when you entertain I'm not that, the next thought, the next idea that downloaded into my head was, hey, I can be free of this. Free. Radically free of it. It's not me. All the while, the identification, which is what inhibits the mind's ability to entertain the possibility of true freedom, because you're you're including that in the in the freedom deal. That has to go with you, you know. So you're trying to be free as that, or for that, or by that, when it's from that. But you will not be able to figure that out. Self cannot get out of self. Yeah. Self is never going to entertain its non-existence, really. The mind, some aspect, has to entertain that. And then seeing it to be so. And then that sense of being this little idea on a very small mental process, you expand into the big mind. Yeah? And once you expand into the big mind, you realize you've never contracted into any smallness. It was just a freaking story. Yeah? There was never, ever any contraction. You can, you've always been that. Always. Yeah. So, that's the point what happened with me in recovery. As soon as the identification of self was shown to be the problem, then the real solution dawned. Because I could be free from that. If I'm not that, if it's a foreign installment, then I can walk away from it. If it's me, I've got to learn how to take it with me. Yeah? I gotta work on it. And you know, if this was me to this day, it would be like an urban renewal project. You'd always find fault, wouldn't you? You always wouldn't be enough. You always wouldn't. It didn't matter how enough you were, you still wouldn't be enough. The me is unbelievable. Take that ingredient of me out of things, and things are left to be what they are. They're given permission, you know, to be clumsy and not perfect, and all this stuff. All that stuff. All that incredible constraint and stress driven to some crazy idea that's not imaginably true is dismissed and you're let go. The body thrives under, you know, freedom from that. <laughs> Most people's idea, they're living an idea of the body. They're not even close to sensing the body. They have an idea of the body that they're sensing. Yeah? It's all about different squares, and they're not square zero. Square zero really illuminates the whole game.
square of 53 is just more like a spotlight. It doesn't illuminate anything. It just points at things and you follow that direction. But the way to illuminate a game is to see above it, you know. Then you can see things. Down here, the horizontal viewing is a form of looking. Vertical viewing is seeing in a way. You see, you see what's going on. And that can lead to something. You'll find out what it leads to, but the, the information is there. The invitation is offered. And that's the message. Something to entertain. Now, you may have an idea of how to entertain it. It's not really about understanding, to tell you the truth. It just gets in. It's like the mail slot that we all have is a conceptual mail slot, so we're using language. But that's just the writing on the envelope. What's inside is nothing. Different. The message is different than the, what I'm saying. Hopefully it's being implied with the energy that's going on. Because that's, that's closer to the truth than the, 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 the words, you know. Yeah. So that's it. Oh, you want questions? Yeah, yes, questions. Yes. How good to see you. So, um, when you're downloading all this information, like all the stimuli, and you got these 70,000 thoughts going on, too, how are you deciphering all that? Well, you're not. <laughs> How you know who to listen to or what to listen to? You'll find out. You'll see what's true. It starts ringing true like a bell and you recognize it. Sometimes you'll make mistakes at the beginning, but after a while you'll be able to recognize the sound and you'll, you'll start picking that one up. Find that, but like you said, the claiming happens before you even notice it. It can, yes, but you'll, with this idea you may be able to see it. Once you see once, Twice it expands, so then you assume you'll reckon you'll sense it when it downloads. You'll know what's happening. Yeah, there's like a there's a part, point where there's an authenticity, and you're the authority of that, and that's it gets to that point. Yes, isn't it kind of in what happens too? Like, hmm? like isn't that where? You could say the truth is, in what happens, not so much about what you think about what happens, but about what happens. Well, yeah, that's it can. That's where it can indicate. Yeah, like it said, like Jesus says, it's you know, the, a good tree can't bring forth bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bring forth good fruit. So you'll know the tree by the fruit. You can't know the tree by the tree because it's not available to us but you can know it by its fruit so there's an intimation of something yeah you become familiar with something let's say and then your faith rests there and that faith produces an ease and comfort so you see that as the fruit and now you're on to something yeah I was going to ask you would you say that um Selfing or identification of the thought process immediately implies time. Like you talk about. Yes, it. yes. Well, it's like it's you have it's to remember yourself, right? Yes. Have a sense of self. Yes. Yeah. And like even your future projections are based on a memory that you have of yourself. Yes. Is, would that be correct to say? Yes. Okay. The and whole so, system is of time. And so, like, even to talk about what we're talking about, like, 
the words are happening in the past. Now. Now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're on a time delay, in yeah. a way. But when the mind shifts the conscious contact, you're closer to the it's just like pure the event horizon, in a way. Yeah. 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 But time is, this place is drenched in time. Yeah. The interpretation is drenched in time. Your whole thought system is based on time, and it's all the value. If you just look at where the value lies, you see the intent of the thought system. The value of the thought system is on past and future. So you see that that's its intent. <laughs> it doesn't really have a value at this moment. Doesn't, really, doesn't. It's using, if it did, it wouldn't be thinking. <laughs> it would be into taking this moment. It's using this moment to think about the past and the future. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to see its value system. It's just so like in, in politics, you just follow the money. You know, they say in the Rome, uh, who benefits? Don't listen to all the yapping and the, just see how they vote and stuff. You'll see what's going on. It's very simple. You may not like it, that's the problem, but you'll see. It's very clear. So the same thing. Look at the thought system. How does the thought system picture you as a body? Yeah? It fixes you as a body. It's taking you to be a body. So if you listen to the thought system, if you're listening to it, not hearing it, listening to it, you're gonna, it's going to be assumed that you're a body or in a body or having a body. And obviously the body is of time. So now you're in time. Now you're in this world of things. And there you go. There's square three and now you're off. <laughs> that's what happens yeah. <laughs> I mean it can't be it's not so You didn't. when you were born they've proven it that babies don't have a sense of self so it, we, a system grew up a mental process to produce a sense of self That and how it produces it it needs to have it needs memory Yeah. when you're a baby you don't have memory and there's no sense of self so put it together in a way then the memory starts getting on and now you're remembered yeah the sense of self is remembered and then it's remembered also by worrying about you in the future because you are pictured as this also and so now it's like I was there, I will be there, I am here that's its logic yeah. And now it's been doing that quite a lot so now we don't even question that I am here and now we're trying to fight why am I so obsessed with the past and the future well they're necessary to have that feeling of being here as Paul, yeah, that's their job. They're not. How much? How much learning are they mining? How much do you learn from your mistakes? You know what I mean? By berating yourself hundreds and thousands of times over and over again. But how much are you remembered by that? How much are you remembered when you mind those over and over and over mistakes that you thought you made five years ago? How much are you remembered by that? Quite a lot. Yeah. How much do you learn from it? Probably not much. So you see the system, the value system, yeah? It's not totally uneconomical. It's very economical. It's firing on all its cylinders. And it's firing to remember you as this idea, this mental idea, so that the mental process has dominance, yeah? It's like king of the hill, so to speak. Conscious contact is forgotten, isn't it? Most people seem to be quite unconscious of the conscious contact. All right, job number one's done. Let's keep on thinking about Paul. Let's see what else we can do. All right, Paul, the source of love, can feel like he's unloved. All right, let's go. Let's see how far we can go with this, you know? And the mind's like John Coltrane. Yeah, you want to go? Yeah, I was just going to ask. So if you stay in that, that space 
of like nanosecond to nanos. I mean, it's timeless, but with respect to language, if you stay in that space of nanosecond to nanosecond conscious contact and don't identify with the self thing, that's it. Well, just let's say that you cannot not be there. So you don't have to stay in this space. Okay. Okay. I believe there's an impossibility that you truly have never left. You cannot leave that space. See, if it's about staying there, then then, then you become relevant again. It only appears that you need it. Yes, exactly. See, if it's about staying, then you become relevant again. Because then the belief that you've gone is verified. Exactly. This is cutting both those tails off. It's not staying, and it's not, you can't, you couldn't have gone, so you don't have to stay. <laughs> if you take the doors away, it can't play entrance exit all day. <laughs> Seriously, if you take the doors that say exit, they're entrances. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you take them away, what are you left with? Right where you are, it dawns on you that nothing's actually ever happened. <laughs> that this has always been the way it is. It just appears to be that way, and it's fine to appear to be that way. There's nothing wrong or right with it, it's just the way it is. But if your mind's interested, it is can wake up, it can see it, and go, hey, you know. I think I want to beg off this journey now. <laughs> I'm sort of tired. <laughs> I'm tired of huffing and puffing and blowing up this little mental doll called Paul, because pins keep, pip, you know, it keeps leaking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Jesus Christ, maybe I could do something else, like take a big exhale, and ah, the doll shrivels up, and then ah, you know, and then the ah, ah, just keeps ah, yeah, yeah. But there's nothing, there's no draft for that, it doesn't matter what the mind's doing, you know, in the end, I don't think anything happens, really, tell you the truth. I think uh, my feeling, when I died, I've died a couple of times from drug overdoses and stuff, and, uh, you know, I had to be revived and stuff. But uh, I think it's like oil and water. They don't mix, really. When this, when this is over, it's like it never happened. Because it never did happen. It's just an appearance in a much larger field. Yeah. We may be trained to watch that one, one screen, but it's on a much larger field. And I think, uh, yeah... You know, in Buddhism, we well, might as well stretch this out. Eh? You're going to get more than the money that you pay. Alright, I want to just share something about Buddhism, if you mind. In one view of Buddhism, they're trying to prepare for the moment of death, you yeah? know, some aspects of it. So they're attempting to die now, in a way, or just be there. But let's say if you've been absorbed in the selfing, so you've been listening to the voice box at square three. So you're on a time delay. So conscious contact happens. You're not aware of that. And then a second later, the mind tells you how it is. You know, that something happened to you or you did something. Yeah? So that took time. Yes? So you miss every moment of conscious contact. And you're waiting for the story about it, from, about that past moment, to dawn on you. And then you live from there. So, okay, let's say you've been in the habit of listening to that for your life. And so now you get to the point where your death occurs and the body's going to die. So let's say the body dies, but you're in a time delay. You're waiting for the head to tell you that you've died. But that voice has died with the body. So it's gotten used to having this next moment, but there's going to be a time in this life that there's not going to be a next moment. 
and it's going to be caught in that bardo in a sense where it's hanging out waiting to hear what happens but it's never going to hear the news and it will have missed that big appointment so to speak <laughs> of when you're exiting yeah and what happens if you've been listening to this time delay your whole life taking that to be the starting point that's square three I'm talking about but it isn't you know that's not the starting point and then the mind wants to really do a nice number at the end on you and then just at the last minute it tells you you know you've really blown it this life (laughs) (laughs) and you believe that as you believe everything else it's ever said and that's its last little note (laughs) your head's going to be pretty damn agitated (laughs) oops narration is square three. The voice box that goes with the game board, starting at square three, is the voice box of self-centeredness. Yeah? It's, but the whole game is driven by square zero. That's all that's really happening, consciousness and contact. We're living on a time delay, and there's going to be a point in time when that's going to end. <coughs> yeah? And so it's almost going to be like you've been living all your life pulling your pants up, and then one moment your pants will be down and it will stop, and you won't be able to pull your pants up, and you'll die with your pants down. (laughs) Yeah? It's sort of like that. The mind won't be able to, there won't be anyone to hear what it's wanted to say, and there won't be anything that it could say, because it'll be over. Yes? Like the little voice box on the action figure goes with it. The voice box acting as if it's not the action figure. It's coming from the action figure. It's coming from the brain. Yeah? The sense of self is produced by the brain. Yeah? It's a mental process. It's not something that's flying around and it's not there's no soul or anything. It's there yapping, 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 yapping. It's there's gonna be a point where the whole thing ends and you'll miss the boat in a sense. <laughs> what? I have no idea. I'm just, I'm just playing around with it. Oh when I died, what happened was Nothing. I don't remember anything except uh, the idea that there is no time. And when I came back, they revived me, and I knew I was pissed off that I was in the same movie again. I know that <laughs> I was getting arrested. <laughs> I was. I had two cops and paramedics around me, and I knew I was going to go to jail. <laughs> but what happened was, I was laying in a bed. I shot some heroin. I've been doing some coke. This just sounds like a real spiritual talk. <laughs> Take that, all you other people. <laughs> I, was, I, had been, I wasn't used to heroin, but I used, well, it doesn't matter, but I did a big shot of heroin, and I got some coke, and I went to my friend's bed, and I laid there, and I was looking at the corner of the room, and suddenly the whole room, so I go like this, like the lens was closing down, yeah? And then it didn't stop here, it went, and this closed down. And that was the last sense I had. And then there had to be a lot of time passed because when I came to, the police were there, the paramedics, and my friend was in the doorway and his roommate looking very concerned. So it must have been at least 15, 20 minutes. And they were reviving me. They gave you a stuff called Narcan that takes away the effects of the heroin. And when the effects of the heroin was stopped, I came to... And then the movie just felt like there was an interruption, like a, a, a what do they call it, intermission? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it just rebooted back up. 
And there I was, a junkie again, and everybody was, oh no! And everyone was yelling very excitedly, and I didn't know what was going on, then I realized I was the object of all the excitement, <laughs> like usual. <laughs> I was like, oh no! And the police were standing there, and I like, fuck, it all came back. But it was like, this stopped, and then it just started again in a way. So I don't believe there's any, I don't think it starts, and then there's still, and then there's the nowhere that's part of the movie. There's no, it's not a part of the movie. The movie stops, and then what's always so is always been so. Yeah. That's my sense of it. I could be wrong, who knows, but that's the sense. So that's it, eh? We'll take a break, lunch break. Two o'clock. What time is it? One. One. All right. Well, I think they need more time to digest. They need a little more time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'll see you here. See you super two. If I'm not here, stop me out.